Welcome to the Theory to Action podcast, where we examine the timeless treasures of wisdom from the great books in less time to help you take action immediately and ultimately to create and lead a flourishing life. Now, here's your host, David Kaiser. Hello, I am David, and welcome back to another Mojo Minute. Keeping with our custom that we had started some time ago, let's go to our first pull quote. Numerous studies have consistently reported large magnitudes of benefits in all the diseases phases, but with the most significant public health impact in the prevention of transmission. On this compelling evidence, we recommend ivermectin's administration for both prophylaxis in all high-risk patients, as well as in the early and late phases of the disease. If this were to occur nationally and globally, we predict that, like in many regions shown above, the pandemic will end. The economy can reopen. Social interactions and activity can resume. And life can normalize. The expected impact will allow our nation to grow and focus on the multitude of all other pressing problems facing our society. And that is a quote lifted from the written statement that summarized Dr. Pierre Corey's Senate testimony in front of Ron Johnson's, uh, the Senate chairman's committee on COVID-19 and ivermectin. And this all comes to us from a book called The War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic by Dr. Pierre Corey with Jenna McCarthy. Now, this book is one of the best well-written books all about COVID-19 and about this wonder drug of ivermectin. And I thought the best way to tackle this review Uh, Because we're not going to be able to do this book justice, I would urge you to go out and get the book yourself. It's that good. Um, But I thought the best way we could tackle this topic today is just to answer some basic, simple questions. First, let's answer, with the help of this book, what is the drug ivermectin and where did it come from? Before we dig any deeper into the war trenches, I wanted to give you a quick, yes, quick, history of the defamed drug that is at the heart of this book. Most people probably don't only know ivermectin as the most maligned and controversial treatment in the history of medicine, which is a shame because it has a remarkable story of origin and impact. In the late 1970s, Japanese microbiologist Satasha Omura of the Kasato Institute in Tokyo, was studying various microorganisms in the hopes of identifying promising medicinal compounds. He and his team collected thousands of soil samples from around Japan and screened them for a therapeutic potential. It was on one of these excursions while visiting a golf course near the coast of Honshu that Amora unearthed an unusual, and I'm not going to try and pronounce that bacterium. We'll keep going. Anyhow, he he unearthed an unusual bacteria. Amura sent the sample to an American veterinary scientist and parasitical specialist, William Campbell, at the Merck Research Laboratories in the U.S. Campbell found that the bacterial culture contained active compounds, which could cure mice infected with parasitic worms. They named these active compounds avermectins. 
Ultimately, the team developed the compound into a safer, more tolerable, and more effective drug, ivermectin, that wards off parasites in animals and humans. What I found, what I find fascinating is that despite decades of research around the world, the Japanese strain of this bacteria remains the only source of avermectin, ivermectin's precursor ever found. Had Professor Amora been born anywhere else in the world or decided to sample the soil from a baseball field instead of that golf course, ivermectin would likely never have been discovered. Ivermectin has been called a wonder drug for decades due to its effectiveness and safety in treating a range of infections in humans and animals. And because of its nearly, and because it has nearly rid the world of two of its most disfiguring and devastating diseases, river blindness and elephantitis. What's more, in 1987, Merck and company partnered with the World Health Organization to establish the Mechazine Donation Program, which pledged to donate ivermectin for as long as was needed to control river blindness and eliminate the disease. This was clearly before pharma had gone harma. This program provided more than 57 million treatments in the first 20 years alone and prevented untold suffering and countless deaths around the world. These actions were exactly in line with the vision of George W. Merck, the son of the company's original founder. Speaking to the, med- the Medical College at Vir- of Virginia at Richmond in 1950, the junior Merck declared, We try to remember that medicine is for the patient. We try never to forget that medicine is for people. It is not for the prophets. The prophets follow, and if we have remembered that, then they will never have failed to appear. Although such sentiments must be must seem absurd to the modern age, apparently they were meant they meant something back then. Ivermectin's tremendous global impact solidified its spot on the World Health Organization's list of essential medicines and earned the Campbell and Amura the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2015 for its discovery. Can you win a Nobel Prize twice for the same find? Asking for a friend. All of this is why one month after I posted my ivermectin paper on the preprint server, I testified for the second time in the Homeland Security Committee hearing for Senator Ron Johnson. This time, the topic was the efficacy of ivermectin in the treatment of COVID-19. So, yes, indeed, Ivermectin won the Nobel Prize in Medicine in 2015. Um, and you can actually read that report on their website, the Nobel Prize website. Yet you will see, if you Google right now, you will see fact checkers that say, no, it did not win the Nobel Prize. It's on the website. I'm not sure how much more out of reality some of these fact checkers get their information bizarre so now let's keep going with this book because what you're going to find out is dr peter cory the author i'm sorry not peter dr pierre cory the author is not some wacko conservative that a lot of these mainstream media types want you to think actually he's a far left-wing doctor and he's going to tell us about it Going back to the book. 
Recall that as a lifelong disciple of the New York Times, I had been indoctrinated to despise Senator Johnson. That baseless hatred had turned into a profound respect within minutes of our first phone call back in May, and his continued advocacy for the truth and integrity have only deepened my admiration. I would, I would not hesitate to call him a hero, as I believe that his outspokenness and, and efforts have saved countless lives around the world. Senator Johnson gathered a group of COVID dissident all-stars on Zoom for a series of hearings, including the tenacious, unshakable Dr. Peter McCullough. Uh, that's uh, the author that we heard from on Tuesday and the extraordinary Dr. George Fareed, who by that time, along with Dr. Brian Tyson, had treated several thousand COVID patients with nary a hospitalization and not a single death. We discussed strategy around who would testify and for how long and on what I would have. I would have described that meeting as electric. Ron, Senator Johnson called it like herding cats. The first hearing featured a fired-up lineup, including McCullough, Rish, and Fareed, who presented immense data on how our regulatory agencies and academia had gotten HCQ, hydrochloroquine, wrong. That's what we covered on Tuesday. You can go back and listen to that show. Although their marshalling and presentation of the supportive data for HCQ was expert and erudite, it ignited a media firestorm attacking both of them and Senator Johnson while predictably celebrating the response of the willfully ignorant, odious, and servile academic from Brown University, Asha Jaha. Jaha played the classical evidence-based manic trafficking in a pseudoscience by declaring the supportive evidence as, quote, low quality, insufficient, or conflicting. Note this trick is standard, as only those in authority get to determine what sufficient evidence is. As one would expect, Jaha fa fo followed those bogus claims by proclaiming the fraudulent trials of HCQ in the high-impact journals to be high-quality and rigorous. It was the very same narrative that went engulf Ivermectin over the next two years. The highlight, this is crucial, the highlight of the whole hearing came when Senator Johnson asked Jaha, have you ever treated a COVID patient? Jaha's answer was a sheepish and reluctant no. It was a mic drop moment and a definitive win for Senator Johnson and the dissidents, which would be an epic name for a ban, incidentally. Jaha was later rewarded with a, his disinformation efforts with a position as the White House Corona Response Coordinator. He would become most famous in this role for one particularly asinine statement. I really believe this is why God gave us two arms, Jaha prattled during the White House press briefing in September 2022, one for the flu shot and the other for the COVID shot. One for the flu shot and the other for the COVID shot. These are our medical experts. This is the guy that is the White House Coronavirus Response Coordinator. Unbelievable. Let's keep going with the book. That first hearing triggered a widespread smear campaign against Senator Johnson, HCQ, and me and my fellow expert panel members. The New York Times, imagine that, ran a disgraceful opinion piece calling Johnson one of the snake oil salesmen of the Senate. 
It sounded like a headline not written by a journalist, but by a PR propagandist with a clear agenda to discredit any dissenting voices. wonder if he was on the payroll of Dr. Anthony Fauci. Not sure. Unbeknownst to those of us testifying, we were stepping onto a battlefield that would lead to the loss of our academic careers. I can assure you, even make that especially knowing that we what we know now, any one of us would do it again in a heartbeat. The second hearing was two weeks later. I was up. In hindsight, it's clear to me that I did not fully understand how threatening the ivermectin testimonies would be to pharma and the COVID establishment, who were poised to roll out their beloved vaccines and had their own lineup of worthless antivirals like Paxlovid and Malapavar, named brand-named waiting in the wings. Now, prior to my testimony, I was asked to submit a written statement summarizing my position and qualifications, which was entered into the congressional record. In it, I was already calling out the illogical censorship, the inexplicable inaction of our, quote, health agencies, and the damaging medical directives that were wholly divorced from science. Looking back, I nailed it. Even though I was just beginning my journey of discovery into the shocking and near total corruption of our health system. Now I can see all clearly and simply as one of the most damaging and coordinated propaganda campaigns in history. Let that sink in. One of the most damaging and coordinated propaganda campaigns in history. That's coming from a medical doctor with tons of experience. And up until that, this time had a lot of experience in the Wisconsin ER. One of the most damaging and coordinated propaganda campaigns in history. Should we have allowed that to happen? Should we continue to allow it to happen? Now that we're starting to see more reports of a lot of variety of variants of COVID coming back, are we going to lock down again? Are we not going to have ivermectin again? Are they going to damage and coordinate some propaganda campaign against us again? I say no. Picking up the book again to finish out this chapter, Ranking Committee member Senator Gary Peters, this would be the Democrat, opened the hearing with a statement that accused Chairman Ron Johnson and our entire panel of expert witnesses of, quote, playing politics with public health and promoting unproven therapeutics. And then that spineless shill, the only Democrat committee member who even bothered to show up, walked out of the hearing. The ignorance and disrespect was shocking. I was so enraged, I could not even think. Luckily, I didn't testify for another hour or so, but I was still fired up when my turn came. In my spoken testimony, I could only cover a portion of what I included in my written response. Even in that extended time, Senator Johnson granted me, but believe me, I'd let it rip. It wasn't just the childish, insulting walkout that had whipped me into an emotional frenzy. I had spent the previous hour thinking about the daily horrors of the past two years of watching colleagues and ex experts in health system health systems make insanely stupid decisions of witnessing relentless undertreatment and needless death of working so many hours, not only running ICUs, but building the FLCCC and researching and publishing my insights into COVID to be accused of, of all things, being a political actor. It was more than I could take. 
it was probably the lone case in my life where my supposed justifiable anger actually led to something good. My testimony, my testimony literally went viral. I actually watched it right after it happened. And I say literally because the definition of a viral video is one that exceeds 40,000 views in four hours and or exceeds a million views in total. Apparently, my tape testimony surpassed both benchmarks, so much so that I got a text from my FLCC team telling me that Fox News wanted to interview me while I was still in the hearing room. That video put both Ivermectin and the FLCCC on a much larger global map. Since that testimony, every one of us at the FLCCC, this is the frontline COVID critical care doctor team that they had created, along with every treatment provider on the planet using HCQ and ivermectin, has had our credibility attacked. No matter how many thousands of patients we treat with near-perfect results, our successes are ignored, maligned, and outright dismissed. The evidence I presented in that testimony was, in my mind, both enormous and irrefutable. It would take more, a few more months for me to accept the reality that no amount of incontrovertible rock-solid science would ever be considered sufficient as long as it was inconvenient to Big Pharma's plans or profitability. And there you have it. Incontrovertible rock-solid science that would never be considered because it was inconvenient to Big Pharma's plans or their profitability. How disgusting that is. That we live in a country where we cannot have critically thinking doctors and medical experts that look past profits and plans and just do not want to treat the patients. How disgusting is that when we have medical evidence to say that's irrefutable? Now, again, I would highly encourage you to get this book, The War on Ivermectin, the medicine that saved millions and could have ended the pandemic by Dr. Pierre Corey. I want to thank Dr. Corey for his hard work. He will end up having lost three jobs and his credibility will be having the it's been completely maligned, attacked. But you know what, Dr. Corey, if you're listening, you have character, you stood up for truth and you kept seeking out the truth. So good on you. The truth will always come out. I said this in the last show, and I'll continue to say it. We've had doctors that had the courage to face COVID head on. They did the work that very good doctors do. They had the character to stand up and tell the truth, no matter how much they were maligned. And yes, they did not have the best spokesman in President Trump. I understand that. But still... We have to have critical thinking adults as part of our medical experts and part of our medical establishment because we're battling a biopharmaceutical complex that is just overwhelming. And they are not after good medical results. They're after, they're after profits and their own plans. And that's not always for the good of patients. And as you know, I was one of those patients last year or two years ago, I had COVID-19 and I asked my primary care doctor, I'd heard a lot about ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine and 
My primary care doctor said, no, that's not part of our protocol. Absolutely dismissed it. I asked for the medical evidence of what, she, why she could not recommend that. Uh, she did not have any. She couldn't provide any. So clearly the word came from on high that uh, they are not going to use any of these proven drugs. And we had endless deaths all over the around the world. And it's just disgusting. Um, there has to be an accounting. There has to be a reckoning. And I understand some of these doctors, you know, even my childhood pharmacist or my childhood friend that is a pharmacist, uh, he works for a major brand. I understand he probably could not. <clears throat> excuse me. I know he could probably not buck the system. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming them. Um. But you could have certainly spoken up and said, hey, here's what they're telling us. And if you said that, then I would know, you know, the gig is up. Uh, this is not what I want you to. This is this is not what I want to tell you. But here's what they're telling us, meaning this might not be the truth or I don't really believe what I'm about to tell you. And I would have took it at that. Um that's not what either one of my primary care doctor or my childhood friend uh, told me. So uh, we have to have a reckoning. Um, and this book is well on its way to uh, starting to tell that story. Now come back uh, on Saturday because we're going to share another great book because uh, we're creating this COVID trilogy. And we're going to keep finding the books all around COVID that tell the true story. Um, a lot of people have recommended after the first show to check out Robert F. Kennedy Jr.'s book. Um, I know he's done a lot of great work, um, and I read a biography about his dad earlier this summer. So um, not a big fan of the Kennedys. Um, I think they did some bad things in the 60s. Um, but that should not uh, dissuade me from looking into Robert Kennedy's book, all about COVID-19 and the vaccines, which are absolutely horrible. So, um, but next, uh, this coming Saturday's uh, show is going to be all about Dr. Robert Malone, another great pioneer that was fighting for the truth. And his book is The Lies That My Government Told Me. And it will be another shocking episode all about the shameful and disgusting and repeated lies by our medical establishment and our medical experts. So come back here on Saturday to hear what the real truth is. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed this theory to action podcast. Be sure to check out our show page at teammojoacademy.com where we have everything we discussed in this podcast, as well as other great resources. Until next time, keep getting your mojo on. Are you a voracious reader who yearns for a deeper understanding of your favorite books? Or perhaps you're a busy professional seeking to enrich your knowledge, but short on time. The Mojo Academy 2.0 is your perfect solution. Our revamped service now includes beautifully designed monthly written reviews and PDF 
format to accompany our popular audio reviews. These aren't just summaries. These are comprehensive and insightful explorations of each book, packed with the actual quotes from the book to enhance your understanding. With usually six to nine pages per review, they are perfect reference tools to take your learning to the next level. Get your free Mojo Academy review in written format at teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes for that free link. Again, teammojoacademy.com or click on today's show notes and you will see the link for the free written review. Get yours today.